We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in, everybody, to the CFB Nation All-America podcast presented by Twisted Tea. I'm Bill Troche, senior editor at SportingNews.com, alongside Bill Bender, our national college football writer at SportingNews.com. You can follow Bill on Twitter at BillBender92, and you can follow me at Bill Troche, and keep an eye on the main Sporting News account at Sporting News. If you enjoy this podcast, Please give us a five-star rating and submit a brief review. That would be very helpful for us. Half hour of free entertainment to you and one or two minutes back to us for a review. Is that is that fair, Bender? Is that a fair deal? It's a fair deal. We provide a lot of content during the week. We're having a lot of fun doing it. And, uh, man, we're, we're already to mid-season. We're going to have our mid-season All-Americans meeting this week. And it, it's crazy how quickly this thing flies by. Yeah, it's uh, it's flying by. We got tons to talk about, and uh, it was just a, a crazy weekend, crazy end to the weekend. And we will uh, start our show with that at the top with a revisiting the Miami meltdown. First, though, uh, and another one of our topics that we're going to talk about is Brock Bowers and uh, his Heisman Trophy situation. Uh, my Trochi trivia question, which I'll ask you now, and then you can uh, answer it at the end of the show. Uh, when was the last time an offensive player finished in the top 10 in the Heisman Trophy voting who wasn't a quarterback or a running back or a wide receiver? So that's what Brock Bowers would be trying to break into. Who's the last player to finish in the top 10? Who wasn't like a, it, can be a, it can be a defensive player? No, offensive player. Oh, okay. No quarterbacks, no running backs, no wide receivers, but it was an offensive player. Uh, who finished in the top 10 in the voting. So start thinking about that one. Um, I already have it because I put it in the article. Ah, (laughs) Uh, so, uh, so we'll see, we'll see if I'm right, but I'll save it for, for fun. Gotcha. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So, yeah, back to uh, Miami. Mario Cristobal met with the media early this week to, again, discuss the uh, the meltdown in Miami, the failure to take a knee. Bill, there's already T-shirts out there with uh, Miami players saying, take a knee. That's all it says. I think I'm trying to remember who put it out. I wish I could. I don't want to. It was like a Saturday down south, that type of that type of website. Ooh. They were very clever, very funny. Um, have you ever – can you can you ever recall? I mean, he you know he took the the Notre Dame uh, coaching meltdown with having ten people on the field at the last play of the game. Uh, Mario Cristobal basically said, "Hold my beer, let's, let's uh, I got one for you." <laughs> no, I. So I was talking to Hartley coach Brad Birchfield, he local high school here, and when I was going to my son's game Sunday, and Coach Trevor and Coach Chris coached my son, and I just those guys couldn't walk into the parking lot if that happened after a game with the parents in seventh grade and the parents in high school, and they couldn't walk into a locker room if it happened there. So I don't know how he walked back into that locker room, honestly, because it's just such a dumb, there's no like possible justification that you can, Oh, well, we were, you know, we called a play and there was this much time left. No, there's, there's just take a knee. Was it right. even if your quarterback can't take a snap under center, snap a ball, knee, game over. It, it's oh. it's incredible incredible to me how much money college football coaches get paid, and these things happen. And you can contribute it to the wildness of the sport. And people tweet things like, "Oh, I love this sport so much." You so you love seeing stupidity, is what you're saying? <laughs> because if it, this would never happen in an NFL game. If it did, it would be like, like that. you said. It doesn't happen in seventh grade games. No, they they you catch you <laughs> you if 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 Trevor March and Chris Beinlich were leading St. Pius and we were up by six and we had the ball with thirty seconds left, they are instructing the quarterback to take the snap and take a knee. I'm <laughs> fairly confident in that. So, and those guys do a fantastic job, by the way. So, giving their time to our kids, but um, it, it's unbelievable that they they would do that and you know it's obviously going to pile on mario a little bit because it had happened before when he was at oregon a lot of people resurfaced that video so there's no there's no excuse for that to happen and there's like i said there's no justification at the end of an nfl game they those nfl coaches are smart enough boom take a knee 95 99 of college coaches would do this i can't believe they were running plays and he owned it but I don't give him any credit for owning it because no matter what explanation he gives, it's not going to be right. Like you said, there is no justification. 
So I don't know that he actually deserves credit for quote unquote, you know, only right. taking full responsibility. Well, yeah, you, you should take full responsibility. You have an unlimited budget. Apparently at Miami, they are spending like they've never spent before. They have an army of analysts out there and nobody, there's too many cooks in the kitchen, whatever it is, you're the guy. And it's one of the most simple things anyone from fifth grade on who was watching football has seen people take a knee in the last 30 seconds. Now, one thing I did read was Miami had not used the victory formation all season. Don't care. They had, no, no, but what I did find interesting was, so the first three games were just total blowouts or whatever, but they they had game against Texas A&M. They were up two touchdowns. A&M drove down to the 10 yard line, Miami's Mm -hmm. 10 yard line. Actually, I think maybe to the four yard line failed on fourth down. Uh, the Hurricanes took over with 44 seconds to go. A&M did have two timeouts, but again, you could still take three knees and win the game. And they ran they ran the ball up the middle. And A&M did not bother to call any more timeouts. They just let the clock run out. But that was a situation where logic dictates you're up two scores, but still logic dictates you take it dictates that you take a knee. And they didn't do it uh, because, like I said, that, I mean, even if you're on a four yard line, you can knee, you can take a knee a couple times and not get a safety right. or whatever. You're already up by 15 points. It's whatever. It's fine. Should have taken a knee there and didn't. And I just find it interesting and curious that they ran the ball up the middle there, and then of course they did the same thing against Georgia Tech. Yeah, and well, I, I that still doesn't fly. I don't care because they they. These coaches have so much attention to detail that they have their practice plan from like spring practice through the season over. So you can't take five minutes to three, three to five minutes in a practice and snap a victory formation. Every coach does it. Every coach does it at the high school level, victory formation. Hail Mary. We're going to talk about a Hail Mary situation here in a little bit, but it's, it's absurd. And like I said, none of that's an excuse to me. It's you Take a snap under center. Every quarterback at the college level should be able to take a snap under center. Yeah, I, wasn't, most, I didn't tell yeah. the story to act like it was no, an excuse. No, was, I'm, I'm, yeah, I got you. I'm Bill. just You're wondering right. what's going through that staff's mind. Like, it's not the first time they could have taken it and didn't. Right. And, and even <laughs> if you can get that rep there, perfect opportunity to do it. So, I mean, I have no sympathy for Miami. I have no sympathy for Mario Cristobal. I'm rarely hypercritical of coaches, but. Um, it, there's no, when you make the mistake, you just say that was inexcusable. You don't even try to justify it. You try to go into your locker room because how do you, they have to go play North Carolina this week. Right. Whatever their record is at the end of the season, it should be plus one. If they Correct. go two, it should have been 11 and one. They go nine and three should have been 10 and two. I mean, there's no way around it. And nope. we even got it to the part about the end. What about their defense? Letting a guy get behind two safeties. I know. And that's, we haven't even got. That's the other half of it. Like, how do you let that happen? Where you have, you know, you're playing quarters coverage or whatever, and a receiver slides behind your safety, both safeties, and they're chasing him. I, it was unbelievable that he got that far behind. You should have guys standing on the goal line on the last Well, one. so I pushed back on that a little bit. It was a little <laughs> bit of an awkward situation for Miami because they were up three. 
Mm-hmm. Tech was on the 44-yard line, and there was 10 seconds left. Fair. So you have to defend the field goal situation. Tech was out of timeouts, so you had to kind of guard the sidelines because ideally Tech wants to throw a 10-yard out, get out of bounds, and kick a field goal. That's their probably original thinking. I don't think they're thinking touchdown with 10 seconds. With two seconds, obviously, they would have been thinking touchdown. 10 seconds, they're thinking field goal still. And then he got flushed out and someone leaked. So it wasn't, like I said, obviously, you shouldn't give up a 44-yard touchdown with one second left. Nobody behind you. have to defend the field goal and the touchdown, kind of. So as black and white as it might have seemed, but... Still no excuse, right? Still getting behind two safeties. That yeah. shouldn't, you can't let, with 10 seconds left, you don't let a guy leak. Now, to your point, though, like Minnesota, their only touchdown against Michigan was at the end of the half with like 20 seconds left. Same situation. They threw a fade. He got behind a guy. And you, you teach your defensive backs nobody behind you. 20 seconds left in the game. But, again, these are college defenses, not NFL defenses. But, I mean, all the way around. I mean, I'm really interested to see how Miami comes out against uh, North Carolina this week because they're catching North Carolina at the wrong time. Drake, me, Drake May heated up last week. Their defense is good. I, I When we do our pick show later this week, I, if I don't pick my North Carolina large, I don't be, I'd be really surprised. It's um... – yeah, it's not like Miami played great for four quarters either. Like that, they did not play, you know, they should have handled Georgia Tech. Tech was coming off an ugly loss. They didn't play great. And Miami's defense kind of owned them most of the mm-hmm. game. So, yeah, this whatever it is, like I said, they're always going to feel like they should have plus one in the win column for the rest of the season. That's that's a tough way to live. So, um, all right. So, your next, our next topic, we want to talk about Brock Bowers. And the Heisman Trophy, he has snuck into the top 10 uh, in terms of odds to win the Heisman. He has been on fire lately. He's got several games in a row with uh, 100-plus yards. And you did some research last night, and you have a story up. You will have a story up on SportingNews.com about Brock. Uh, What did your research say? Is the last guy that wasn't a receiver, quarterback, or running back a Notre Dame tight end? Uh, no, he was not. Oh, well, maybe I don't know the answer. Oh, all right. Well, they, well, the Notre Dame tight end is the last one to finish in the top five. Oh, so it's an offensive lineman. So now I can get that part. I, I, I'm fine either top way. 10, but anyway. Top 10, top 10. Okay, we'll figure it out. Um, okay. The So. Yeah, three straight 100-yard games games. for Brock Bowers. He's got 151, 157, 132 the last three weeks. He's the best player at his position in college football, and he has the biggest gap between him and the next guy. Mm -hmm. So, and I say that with, okay, Caleb Williams, best quarterback in college football, or Penix, or there's an argument there, right? Or Jaden Daniels. Or Jaden Daniels. Like, you like Daniels. I like Drake May. Shador. Penix. There's a bunch. Yeah. Marvin Harrison's the best receiver in college football. But is the gap between him and this is not about their NFL potential. This is about right now. Is the gap between him and Luther Burden huge? Malik Neighbors? I mean, those guys are one and two in receiving yards right now. I mean, Marvin Harrison's the most talented, best player. Brock Bowers, there's no second guy. There's no, oh, it might be this guy. No, there's not. He's the best player. There's no offensive lineman that's better than a next one or defensive player. And I'm did our midseason All-American research. There's nobody better than Brock Bowers. 
at his position right now. And he's the thing is, Bill, you can't just think of him as a tight end. He plays in the slot. He's played 53 snaps at receiver and running back. He's even taken a snap at quarterback, I think. And he over he took over the Auburn game, three straight 100-yard games. The trick with getting him to New York, and it's going to be tough, is um, how do you how do you maintain that? How do you maintain – he's got to have 100 yards every week, 80 to 100 yards. He's got to score every week. They've got to find the creative ways to get him the ball. But um, – Best player on the number one team in the country. And and Georgia leads the SEC in passing yards right now, which when does that ever happen? So uh, I, I think his impact is tremendous. I think, I, is he going to win the Heisman? Probably not. The last tight end to be a finalist and finish in the top three was Ken McAfee in 1977 for Notre Dame. So that is my, that was my potential answer. But it just doesn't happen at tight end. So I think it'd be kind of cool if he could at least get to New York and keep doing what he's doing. Yeah, no question about it. And yeah, he had that one game early in the year, one catch, three yards and a, and a blowout of Ball State. Uh, and then, you know, he had seven catches for 54 yards against South Carolina. And that's when he started to kind of get going. Uh, he had 78 yards in the opener against, you know, UT Martin. So they, they had some low profile games early, but since – you know, the last three weeks, he's been really on a roll. He's four touchdowns in the last three weeks. That's what he has to do is keep scoring. And this is kind of what we thought all season. I kind of gave up on him after those first three weeks. He didn't have a touchdown or he had one rushing touchdown, I guess, uh, in the first three weeks. You know, was averaging 30, 40 yards a, a game. But he has really stepped up his game. And it's fun to see. I mean, and I think I told you, like, seeing him in person at the at the media day last year at the peach bowl, like he's just an ordinary looking dude. He is right. he's not physically imposing like some of those other tight ends that you, that you think about. Uh, but boy, can he play? Right. Uh, you know, and I think that the other part of this latest run, so we said the three straight 100 yard games, he has 30 targets in those games. He's caught 24 passes. So literally 80% of the time you throw to this guy, he's going to catch the football. That's pretty awesome. And uh, no, and, and the pushback will be, well, Marvin Harrison's generational receiver and the best talent. Well, okay, that's fine. He is. He's all of those things. If you if you were going to draft one player, who would you draft? Yes, you would probably draft Marvin Harrison. But Brock Bowers is probably going to be a top five pick, like Kyle Pitts was. He's one of those tight ends that's you see in the NFL where guys like Travis Kelsey and Gronkowski – He's not that yet, obviously, but he he's the best tight end in college football I've seen in a long time. And I know Michael Mayer was – I've watched Michael Mayer catch a couple passes against my Packers last night, but Brock Bowers is the best talent I've seen at the position in at least 10 years. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea and packs a powerful punch with 5% alcohol and no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite team. Whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football, 
and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. All right, another sportingnews.com story we want to promote a little bit. Uh, you caught up with Kalen DeBoer, right, this week? Mm-hmm. Coach, ahead of the big showdown with Oregon. That's going to be a 3.30 game on ABC. Two top 10 teams, two undefeated teams. They played an unbelievable game last year uh, that Washington won. Uh, and, uh, come from behind in the fourth quarter. We expect another exciting game on Saturday. What, what did Kalen have to say about the matchup and just how his season is going? Yeah, you know, Kalen DeBoer is a, an unbelievable coach for starters. I was when you look up his bio or whatever. I want to point out a stat: when he was at Sioux Falls from 2005 to 2009, he was 67 and three. 67 and three. I mean, like any coach with that kind of record, you know, he's a winner. And they have the most fun offense to watch in the country. Uh, most yards in the FBS. Yeah. Michael Penix led the nation in total offense last year, and he's about to do it again. Uh, and they have three receivers that average 15 yards or more catch. So we tapped into, you know, talking about their deep shots and how they set those deep shots up and how Michael Penix has improved because Kellen DeBoer was, DeBoer was Indiana's offensive coordinator when Michael Penix was there in 19 before the breakout season. So the development and he just and the lefty thing and I asked him he was like does that look weird to you and he said not anymore and he said the thing about you hear this about great quarterbacks and it's a little bit of a cliche but it's very true is said Michael Penix throws a very catchable football and it reminded me of the things that I heard about Tua when Tua was at Alabama they always talked about the lefty and the weird you know it looks weird and all this but they said Tua threw a catchable football and that's a thing. Like you throw a ball 100 miles an hour, it's hard to catch. But if you put it right on a guy, which these guys do, um, Washington's super fun. Uh, and, and Kalen was very open about that. Talked about their season, not talking about the Big Ten future much because he said they've got to worry about this week. And I, I mean, just a, a fun interview. And the thing with Washington. They're hitting four pass plays of 20 yards or more a game, and they're taking more deep shots than any team in the country. So he's not afraid to throw it down the field. And it'll be interesting to see how they let it go against Oregon, who it's like the inverse. is like Oregon has three running backs that average seven yards per game. That's going to be a tremendously fun game on Saturday afternoon. If you're Michigan State, how high on the list is Kalen DeBoer? And is he a realistic candidate? Do you think he would even consider it? Maybe. I mean, he may come back to Big Ten country. I think he is the best. I, and when we did our coach rankings this summer, I think I had him pretty high, like 11. And people were like, what's that guy ever done? And then I was like, well, he went 67-3 and three at Sioux Falls. So, <laughs> And he's won. I think they have the second or third longest winning streak in the FBS right now behind Georgia. And uh, so that I think they've won at least 10 or 11 games in a row dating back to last year when they – just destroyed Texas in the Alamo Bowl. So they're a good team. They're a fun offense. They they spread the ball around. I was re-watching the Cal game. They scored 45 points and a half. So uh, the explosiveness is there. I think when we're making all these playoff project- projections, now they got to win this week. And I think the more I'm thinking about this game this week, it's going to be very hard for them to beat Oregon because Oregon's really good too. These are the two best teams in the Pac-12. They're better than both of these teams, and I've watched them both. Both of them are better than USC. 
They're better than Utah. They're better than Washington State. These are the two best teams. They may see each other twice, mm-hmm. which is an interesting wrinkle in this thing. Yeah, yeah. When we were talking about the playoffs, speaking of the the playoff picture, uh, it, it appears we were talking that all five conference champions, I think, are going to have a very good case to get in. And once somebody's going to be left out, and it's hard to picture who it's going to be because I think Florida State is going to be favored all the way through. And they, if they win the ACC championship game, I don't know how you keep them out. I think the Big 12 champion, Texas and Oklahoma, looking at their schedules. Oklahoma still has to go to Kansas. That's about the only place I could see them not being at least almost a 10-point favorite the rest of the way. Texas doesn't have any ranked teams left. We're heading for a rematch of the Red River. And the winner of that game has an excellent chance to get in, especially if it's Texas beating Oklahoma, and then they've got that Alabama win on their resume. So you got the Big 12 champ. That's two. Pac-12, we just talked about. That's the deepest league in the country right now, especially at the top. You got Washington and Oregon. What if some one of them sweeps the other in the Pac-12 championship game? They are extremely deserving. Of course, the SEC and the Big Ten goes without saying that whoever emerges from the Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, you know, triple triple header of power right there, they're going to deserve one too. So. People who say, oh, this is great that we still have the 14 this year, I just I feel like someone's going to get left out, and it's it's going to be painful. Uh, it's just you can't lose twice, and we always talk about that. I know I sound like a broken record with it, but of the five that you mentioned, if we were doing it in pecking order, it's like SEC, if they're one loss or less guaranteed, Big Ten same. I think Pac-12's third in the pecking order. Uh, because they're going to have all these big games and all these top 10 games that the winner, as long as they don't have two losses and does, don't screw it up, they're in. Then I would say ACC. I think the Big 12's in real trouble if Oklahoma or Texas loses two somehow and Kansas screws that up. Or if they go, if like Texas goes and let's say Texas loses a second game and wins the Big 10 12 championship, they're done, which right. because they'll be easily the easiest to excuse. And then the ACC, I worry, Bill, that you're going to see Florida State this weekend, I believe. And they're really good, but they, I mean, Louisville's good and North Carolina's good. And and I don't, Miami could pick somebody off. And, and I don't know that any of those, are you super impressed with Florida State? I think they're really good. I just don't know if they can survive through this run without getting, you know, a, a ding or two. I mean, I was impressed Obviously, with how they handled LSU, now we realize LSU's defense is, you know, Florida State went right through them in the second half. It's like, well, now we're finding out everybody's going right, right through them. Uh, they struggled with Clemson, probably should have lost that game. They, you know, survived a missed field goal at the end of it. Uh, but, you, you know, Clemson's no pushover at home. I thought that was a good win. Uh, they will prove it. They'll have to prove it because there are, you know, North Carolina's still undefeated. Louisville's still undefeated in that league. But I would favor them to win the ACC, wouldn't you? I mean, I think yes, yeah, they've, yeah, they've got the most talent. They've got a terrific quarterback. So if they get through that and win the ACC championship, it's going to be hard to keep them out. I mean, they're they're already in the top five right now with the eight people. So wherever they land in that first poll on October thirty first, that's going to be an important like slotting type of thing. Uh, because history tells us they don't move them too, too much once they're kind of established as we go through. 
Right. And, and it's going to be fun. So we'll have an article kind of projecting that and kind of giving you a feel for, for who's going to end up where, but it, it is a fun race. It is musical chairs. There's four chairs, five people trying to cram into them. And mm-hmm. with Notre Dame kind of being out of the mix, that's taken off the table. There won't be a group of five team getting the playoff this year. So it is, I think all of this, these questions you've posed, Bill, kind of tells me it's also going to be hard for two teams from one conference to get in. Mm-hmm. So like the Ohio State, Michigan thing or the Alabama, Georgia thing, probably not going to happen this year. Mm-mm. No. And you mentioned group of five. They're not a playoff team. They don't have a team in the top 25 right now. There's no group of uh, five team in the AP top 25 after six weeks, which is pretty well, great. You know, I'm a fan of Air Force. And they're one of the oh, Wyoming, even in the also receiving votes, Wyoming well, is more than Air Force. Yeah, so. they're one of the remaining unbeatens and they lead the nation in Russian offense. And Troy Calhoun's a great guy. Uh, it'd be a great year for the 12 team playoff to start to see Air Force open the playoff with a home <laughs> game. That would be incredible. So, uh, uh, yeah, they're, they're a pretty good team, but it, it is going to be an interesting race. And that's what the regular, as I always tell you, Bill, that's what the regular season's for. We'll sort it out over the next 10. Uh, before we get out of here, I want you to tease one more story that you put in a ton of work. It's the week of the USC Notre Dame game, of course. And you did some research on Caleb Williams, kind of the moment that forecasted his superstardom. Yeah. He was a sophomore, sophomore in high school. And then he had this amazing game and it has led to number one recruit in the country and then Heisman trophy and projected number one pick in the NFL. And, Basically, it all kind of stemmed. This was the first bright moment of a career of bright moments. Yeah. DeMatha and Gonzaga played in a game in 2018. It was 48 to 45. You got to watch the highlights of the game. And then I read the story. So there was. This is outside of Washington, D.C. for people who don't know where those schools are. And our product manager, Sean Coiner, is a DeMatha grad. And I remember very vividly after this game five years ago. And I didn't think, you know, I watched the internet Hail Mary five years ago. And I was like, ah, that's cool. And he told me, he said, that guy's going to be the best quarterback in the country. He told me point blank and, you know, me and I love Sean and I just kind of gave him, okay, sure. And, you know, like I'm doing story on whoever the Heisman winner was that year. And Sean was exactly right. Like down to the T. I mean, and the game had 23 guys in it that had three-star recruiting rankings or more. Olu Fashano, top five pick, uh, Marshawn Lloyd seen on Saturday running all over the place. And on this field, Caleb Williams was a sophomore and he was the brightest star. And the finish is crazy. You won't believe, like, the last 39 seconds, there were three lead changes. He makes this defining play. It reminded me, the timing's great, because the other night on Saturday, USC is a mess on defense. They did everything in their power to try to lose to Arizona. They run a bizarre two-point conversion play. And, of course, Caleb Williams gets in the end zone. He is the one quarterback, Bill, where, and I think it started with this DeMatha-Gonzaga game, uh, he's the one quarterback that I have that feeling of when he's on the field and they're losing, I hate he'll do something to give him the lead. Even with all these things going on around him, he, he, he's going to do something to, and he did everything against Arizona. I think they're going to have a tough game against Notre Dame, but if they're down three and have the ball with a minute and a half, I just feel like he'll, he'll do something to win the game. The amazing thing about that video as a sophomore in high school and his the discipline he had in the pocket for that Hail Mary, the moving forward, moving back, moving forward, 
and then launching it. Like, first of all, you look at it and you can say that's Caleb Williams immediately recognize him. And secondly, everything he did was so fundamentally sound in the craziest moment that you could think of. And then he executed, he threw it really high, just like Aaron Rodgers tries to throw it really high, came down. I mean, it wasn't luck. It was, it was amazing. There was some luck, of course, but it was, it was, it was a ton of skill a ton of moxie, a ton of just clutch play, talent, everything rolled into one, and he hasn't slowed down since. And it, the DeMatha secondary had Nick Cross, NFL safety, DeMarco Hellams, NFL safety, played at Alabama, Josh Wallace, Michigan corner, and uh, Dominic Logan Neely, who played at Howard. So he literally did this against an NFL secondary as a sophomore. It's a fun story. A lot of insight from a lot of different coaches and players in the game. Um, you know, you have to check it out. It just yeah. adds to the Caleb Williams legend. Up. Yep. Did a great job. Great job with it. All right, Trochi Trivia, before we sign off, who was the last offensive player to finish in the top 10 in the Heisman Trophy rankings? Who wasn't a quarterback, running back, or wide receiver? Well, I, I'm going – I don't think this is going to end up being correct, but I, I, the last guy to do top five is Orlando Pace, an offensive lineman for Ohio State. But I have a feeling that another offensive lineman probably slipped in the top ten and I'm blanking. Um, I'm going to give you a hint. Okay. Because you're not going down the right path. You've said the answer already on this podcast. Matt McAfee then? The top five? Non-offensive player. So it's a defensive player? Offensive player. It just slipped out of your mouth and you didn't even realize it. The answer it. Go ahead. 2020, Kyle Pitts. He Pitts. finished in the top five. Tenth. Tenth. Oh, he finished top, top ten. ten. I kept saying top ten. Yeah, top ten. Kyle Pitts finished top ten. Nice. Mentioned him as top five pick. You're like, Kyle Pitts. He's like, Kyle So it, the, the, he was the last tight end. What, what did he finish? Tenth. Okay. Finished tenth so, in twenty twenty, so there you go. So, but so top five, yeah. Like I always, tenth is like, come on, Bill. Like, ask me top five guys. Like, I, I don't care when once you're outside top five, you weren't really it's not that obscure because you mentioned him right. as a top five pick. So there you right. go. So. so Brock Bowers will finish higher than Kyle Pitts in the Heisman voting right. if if we're on this on this, and I think he'll be right in the same neighborhood in the draft. Okay. All right. All right. Well, thanks to everyone for listening to our podcast. Please leave a review. If you enjoyed it today, we'll be back later in the week with some more shows. Enjoy the rest of your day, and we will see you soon.